going on everybody welcome into another episode of the checkboard check-in we got episode 11 here a little different tonight no detailer but you got uh regular guys here keenan sawyer d sky how you guys doing good all right doing well man got a couple of things to talk about tonight uh got the sec basketball tournament going on men's um i know the women's tournament just wrapped up so we'll talk about that I uh, got some baseball stuff. Baseball's played Georgia State this past weekend, uh, and then they took on Charlotte in the midweek on Tuesday. We'll talk about that a little bit and then touch on the defensive staff for football at the end and uh, anything else we want to talk about. Um, we'll go ahead and start with basketball. I've got the scores here in front of me, so just in case you haven't been watching, Wednesday you had Vanderbilt and A&M play. Vanderbilt won 79-68. And then today you had um, Florida beat Vanderbilt 69-63. So that means Tennessee takes on Florida. And then I think the most important game that we all should talk about here first just for a minute is uh, old Calipari and the Wildcats won't be uh, moving on any further. So anybody want to touch on that? I know you guys are all smiling now. So <laughs> somebody want to talk you, about that. You hate to see it, don't you, Murphy? You just hate <laughs> to see it. You, you do indeed hate to see it. But a little bit of me likes it as well. I kind of love to see it as well. So. <laughs> Uh, no, final score that one was 74-73, so a one-point loss for the Wildcats, but nonetheless still a, a loss. And still, uh, what, nine wins for every million dollars that's Calipari's getting paid per year? <laughs> so so it's, it's, it's sweet for us. We, you know, we have our own demons and we have our own things to deal with on our side, but it's nice to, you know – be in the conversation and be in the tournament when so many blue buds are just falling by the wayside this year. Um, you, you know, I, I like, I like the Florida matchup again, uh, the, the rubber match of the series this year. Uh, you know, Trey man will be available for Florida. Uh, so that's a little different from the last matchup, but you know, if, you know, we, we can get a combined probably 20 points from our uh, from Pons and Fulkerson, have Victor Bailey hit a few threes and maybe one of the freshmen show up. I think we'll be in good we'll be in good shape because, um, you know, it's it's Castleton, man. And then, a, you know, a bunch of, you know, almost role players for Florida. So, you know, if. If you if you can establish yourself, which I don't want to come out and shoot a bunch of threes tomorrow. I, that's I don't think that's the approach we need to take. We you know once that last five minutes plus the second half of the the most recent Florida game this past Sunday, we established that inside presence. You know we, Fulkerson was you know doing that you know famous spin move you know down from the top of the key down the middle of the lane, and you know he looked you know he looked a little rejuvenated and so. I think you establish those guys first, and uh, I think everything else kind of follows once once those two guys get established. Sorry, how are you feeling about the Florida matchup, man? Well, uh, uh, I think it was Friday or might have been Thursday. Either way, uh, Barnes came out and he he went to bat for Fulkerson. You know, he talked about how Folky heard all the critics, how he knows he was struggling, but he also talked about, you know, there's nobody that loves Tennessee more. There's nobody that works harder. Nobody that wants to be there more. And I think Barnes really going to bat for Folky like that. I think it put a little pep in his step, honestly, and he looked like the Folky of old. I, I didn't get to watch much of the game, but uh, just seeing the stat line and seeing the highlights, I mean, that's the John Fulgerson that Tennessee basketball needs if we're going to go anywhere. Uh, it's just plain cut, you know, the freshman can score 50 a game or whatever, but in the end, you know, you have to have some kind of inside presence to open up everything else. And if Fulkerson can give you, what, 12, 14 points a game, Ponds, like like you said, Keenan, Fulkerson and Ponds be somewhat of a presence down there. It, it opens up everything. So I like the matchup again. Uh, I think the guys will come out really be fired up because they know that, Everybody in the national media, everywhere, everybody outside of Knoxville, Tennessee, is thinking, oh, this is not a very good basketball team. And at times, they look like a not-so-good basketball team. But uh, I think we we might see Tennessee basketball and Rick Barnes work out some of those postseason demons. 
I like it. I'm glad you brought up that Fulkerson and, and Barnes thing because I totally forgot about that. But I, I do agree with you. I think that was a big thing for for Folky to kind of break out of whatever funk he's been in, whether it's been health issues or whatever. Uh, so glad you mentioned that. D. Scott, anything on basketball, man? No, I mean, I can't really say. I mean, I can't really add much, honestly, just from the basketball person I am. Um, and then I haven't uh, – thank you, sorry, for laughing. Um, <laughs> but um, – and I haven't really got to watch much. I think it's really just going to um, boil down to what team comes out to play. I think we can win. I know I saw some stuff, like, on Facebook today. We had the highest per, we had the highest percent chance to win the tournament at this point. Um, you know, I think that could be a blessing or a curse, really. It, you you got to come out and play every game like you're the underdog, you know, like you're playing the best team in the nation. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they just got to play their game, really. So. I agree. I completely agree. It's, it's which team shows up, you know. Exactly. It's, it's, it's can be, we're the definition of a Jekyll and Hyde team this year. Yeah. And it's it's all about who shows up. And, yeah. you know, if you can't show up this time of year, then, you know, you don't deserve to be there. So, yeah. So, I think we're fully capable of doing it. Yeah. I think we're fully capable of winning, winning the whole tournament, you know, the SEC tournament. But you got to come out and play your ball, you know. You need to be firing at all cylinders. Just sitting at a point where you can be making dumb mistakes. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, let's look at the uh, – was I going to look at the matchup for uh, tomorrow? You got Mississippi State, Alabama, 12 o'clock, and then Tennessee, Florida at 2.30 or 2 o'clock. So looking at the Mississippi State, Alabama game, I just wanted to have you guys talk on it a little bit because I know – I think Keenan and Sawyer, y'all watch basketball much more than I do. Uh, and I'm, I don't know how much basketball you watch, D. Scott, but I, I would assume about the same as me. Um, looking at that Mississippi State, Alabama game, uh, what do you guys think – coming out of that do you think Mississippi State has a shot at it or are we going full Alabama for that one I think it's it all depends on if if Mississippi State can establish somewhat of, it's, it's kind of similar to us if they can establish somewhat of a post game with a do uh if he played really well to get uh today um and yeah, he absolutely dominated Kentucky down low uh so if, if they can get established their post presence uh they have a shot they have a shot, but this is a – we're talking about a very, very experienced Alabama team at this point. Um, half their team seems like, seems like they've been there for 10 years. So uh, – and Nate Oates, Nate Oates is a good coach. Uh, they're going to be ready. Uh, I fully expect to see Alabama advance to the semifinals. Um, but Mississippi State did have a good showing today. So, you know, kudos to them. I think if Mississippi State – is going to have a chance. Um, I'm a lot like Ken, you know, establish an inside presence. Maybe they get some guys in foul trouble. I don't know, but there's a there's an old saying that I think will stand true for the rest of the time. If you live by the three, you die by the three. And Alabama is definitely a team that lives by the three ball. Uh, I, they're a lot like us in the fact of they don't really have a quote unquote, like a true big, like, you know, just a big bruiser. Or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think what the Reese guy is what six seven six eight. He likes to play oh, yeah. out on the perimeter more than anything, and which I mean, look, call it. I mean, basketball in general is moving to more of a spaced it out, positionless game. So I mean, in that aspect, you know, they're kind of uh, ahead of the curve, I guess you'd say, or whatever. But I mean, if Alabama comes out and shoots it flat, and Mississippi State gets up. Who knows? I mean, you can start playing stall ball, just keep feeding the dew inside. Never know. But, I mean, if if I'm being realistic, I think Alabama moves on. But you never know. It's March. I've seen crazy things happen. Right. That's kind of what I was thinking when looking at Alabama, kind of how you mentioned them being a, you know, live or die by the three. If they come out and have a shoot colding day or a, a cold shooting day, you know, anything can happen. Anybody could beat them. Um Live update here for the tournament. You got Missouri and Georgia going on. I believe it is, what, 44-41 Missouri right now. Winner of that game goes on to play Arkansas. Arkansas. Congratulations. Got, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Great consolation prize for that one. Um, and then you got South Carolina, Ole Miss later tonight. We probably won't be going when that uh, – well, we might still be. I don't know. It depends. But uh, looking ahead to, to the Florida game, I think uh, somebody mentioned it. You guys said um, – 
Fulkerson and Pons, if they were to combine for, what did you say, Keenan, 20 points, I think you said? Yeah, 20 points, somewhere around, you know, 15 rebounds. I think that would be plenty from them. Yeah, that, that to me kind of sounded like what you would almost want to get out of them on a, you know, consistent basis. But, again, the theme of this team has been the inconsistency and not being able to, to get consistent production from your key guys. So I wanted to pose the question to, to you guys. Do you think that if Fulkerson and Pons don't come out and have a great game, do you still give Tennessee a, a chance to beat Florida? Do you think that they still have a shot at it? Uh, I, I think at that point it all comes down to your shooting percentages and your turnovers. Um, if, if you can stay clean and, you know, you get V.J. Bailey with five or six threes, you know, Viscovi with three or four threes, then, uh, yes, you can still win the game. But I just don't think that's where your bread and butter is. I don't, I don't think that's, you know, um, a recipe for success, at least long-term for this team. I think, I think you have to establish the post and then, um, you know, work it out from there. Work it out to your freshmen. Work it out to your shooters from there. I think for the last, well, really since Grant won his first player of the year, whenever that was, 17, 18, whatever, 18, 19, I, I can't remember. Uh, my mind's not that well, not that good, but Tennessee basketball has been an inside-out kind of thing. I mean, just point blank. Now, we've had some guys that could shoot, but it was mostly coming from we had somebody that could, you know, score pretty regularly inside, and Grant was so good at catching it. And if it got doubled, he'd kick it out. Well, Folky's pretty good at that, too. And, look, I'm not saying that Folkerson's or Grant Williams by any means. I mean, Grant won two player of the years. He was a first-round NBA pick. But in the sense of Folky's smart with the ball and he knows what to do with it, they're similar. And uh, not having a good showing from Folkerson and Pons, or even if you get a good showing from one of the two, it makes it harder. Both of them have to – I think had to have a very good game. I'm not going to say very good, just a good game. Be solid, play your role. And I think Tennessee has a great chance of winning. If they don't, it just makes it that much tougher. But I think we are the better team. I mean, if you look at the rosters, there's no reason we should lose. Right. If both teams give their best effort, I would still pick Tennessee. So, like it. I think a guy uh, that could be a key especially if you're not getting what you normally get from those guys could be Victor Bailey Jr. Cause he's a guy who can score in, in buckets, you know, at, at a short period of time, but he's also a guy we've mentioned this before. I feel like a few times that he's a guy who, if he's not shooting well, he kind of becomes, you know, obsolete at the end of the day. So hopefully you get a good VJ uh, or Victor Bailey moving forward. Um, let's see anything else basketball related. You guys want to touch on anything else? That was a good. That was a good point, Murphy. He like yeah. Bailey. Bailey can be a black hole on defense, so he has to be hitting the shots. He has to be hitting the shots. And, and I, I was like a, every game. Uh, Triple J, Josiah Jordan James. He's mm. he's the next factor. I mean, he does so much. He's really the unsung hero of the team. Because I mean, it's easy to look at the freshmen and say, oh, you know, they're they're both lottery picks. But I mean, James was a five star too. He was what the number fourteen player in the country. I mean, he's not like that dominant presence, but he does so many things well. And, I mean, I saw Kim English say it was his team, you know, about the middle of the year. So, if we get a good showing from him, too, I think that only increases your chances of winning. Yeah. Josiah seems like, to me, and, and again, I'm not going to try to act like I'm a basketball guy. I, I watch a little bit here and there when I can, but I'm not going to try to act like I know what I'm talking about. But – he seems like he's the most – saying this kind of sounds a little like I'm putting him in a different category than other people, but he seems like the most complete player to me. Like, he does everything kind of not, – not great, but he's really good at doing everything. You know what I mean? Like, defensively shooting, going to the basket. He's He just is real, real good at everything. Stat sheet filler, if you will. Um I mean, one of the best rebounders, if not the best rebounder on the team, you know, and, and you've got a guy like Fulkerson and Kamwan, old seven-foot Plocsic, who hardly does anything, but be the best teammate in the world. So, um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Josiah could be game-changer as well, especially if he's, you know, scoring. Um, that could definitely help as well. Um, down the stretch, there's no doubt about it. Oh yeah, he needs to be healthy. That wrist needs to needs to be healthy. But the thing is, 
you need him now. So like, you don't really have a whole lot of time. If he's not a hundred percent, you just kind of got to roll with what you got and hope that, uh, hope that he can get you there. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but when he was coming in and I, and, and you know, I know he came in as a combo guard and I don't, I'm not really sure what that means. I guess that means you could play both point and shooting, I guess. Yes. Um, but to me, I felt like he was going to be the guy that could come in and kind of run the point and at least handle the ball a little bit. But me watching him bring the ball up the court sometimes, I get a little – I clench a little bit when he's bringing the ball to the court because he's a little loose with it. I don't know how you guys feel. And, and I know, Keenan, you've mentioned before about Kennedy Chandler not being here. And, we, you know, hopefully when he gets here, he takes that, that spot. But if you were going to pick one of the guards and, – and, and this will be the last thing we touch on basketball just because I feel like – we've kind of beat it a little bit, but if you were to pick somebody to bring the ball up the court throughout March and you had to get just one guy, who would you put in that position? That's a great question. Cause who right now do you feel comfortable bringing up the, 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 the ball of the court? Who do you feel comfortable breaking a press right now? I, yeah. I have no confidence in our press break at all right now. Um, you know, Vescovi's, you know, problems with his slower feet are well-documented, you know, Victor Bailey isn't a point guard, uh, you know. That's that's not his natural position, mm-hmm. uh, and and like you said, Josiah James can get a little loose with the ball, and you know it's I, one thing when I was playing, you got to be able to use your big men to break the press. You got to get them to the middle of the court. Uh, you, you got you got to be able to get them the ball and have them make good decisions with it, because um, you can't just dribble out of a press. You got to mm-hmm. pass your way out of a press. So. Uh, I would, I would, I would love, you know, maybe see a little more confidence in our press break, and you know, just somebody to get the ball, get us in our offense, get the ball across half court, and and show some kind of confidence in the press break. I, you know, and I'd be happy. I'd be plenty happy with that. Sorry, do you have anybody you trust bringing the ball up? Uh, personally, and I. I've been saying a lot, you know, just to my friends around here, and I might have said it on here, on here before, but I think Springer would be a heck of a point guard or just Me somebody too. like like to get get the ball, you know, up the court because I know a, a lot of the tape I saw of him when he was in high school, he was the guy, you know, bringing the ball up the court. He was running the point. Uh, I, I, I love his game. I think he's really smart. He's made some freshman mistakes, but, I mean, who hasn't? Let's just be honest. And I like what Keenan brought up about the press break, about you got to pass your way out of it. I preach that to the guys that play today. You know, I, I still like to go and uh, talk to the high school guys and help them. I mean, you can dribble all you want, but at the end of the day, you only get 10 seconds, and it's a lot easier to move the ball, pass it, and get it up and use the big man. I, I, I was the big man in the middle of the floor, that, and nine times out of 10, we were going to, you know, get it to me, and I was going to hit the outlet. We were right at the floor. So, but if one guy, give me Springer. I like that idea. I like I like the idea because I agree his skill set lends itself to it, and he has such a good all around game that I I would try it. You know, I just don't know if Barnes. You know, he it's it's hard for him to trust a freshman in that situation, and I can understand that, but. Wow, uh, Kansas ended up beating Oklahoma by seven. Oh well, so Oklahoma clawed back into that one. Uh huh. Um, seems like last thing I'm going to say about the the point guard thing. It seems like they always sort of rotate guys. Like you you see one guy bring it up two or three times, and then it's another guy. And I feel like maybe, and you know, I, Barnes knows a hell of a lot more about basketball than than any of us do. But to me, it just feels like having like one guy, like a, and I know you don't have a Jordan Bone, but. Bone would be the guy bringing the ball up the court, you know, nine times out of ten. One time there might be somebody else like Bowden or somebody if he was on the bench. But this seems like taking one guy and saying, all right, you're going to bring the ball to the court when you're on when you're out there and, and you're going to set everything up. Seems like that might simplify things a little bit because at times it seems like things are moving a little bit. Guys are getting too, you know, overcomplicated with things. At least that's just what it looks like from, from watching TV. But, again, I don't really know what I'm talking about from that standpoint. But. Anything else you guys wanted to mention about basketball before we move on to, to some baseball talk? Nope. All right. So, uh, baseball's played Georgia State this weekend, and I know we talked about it last week. That was going to be a pretty big series, just looking at the opponents that Georgia State had t- uh, played 
to that point, Vanderbilt, Georgia Tech. Um, who else did they play? West Virginia. And there was one more, and I can't remember. There were four teams. But anyway, uh, Tennessee goes out and sweeps the weekend series against Georgia State. And we were talking about it before the show, just about how impressive that is. You look at the scores. I mean, 6-1, 5-1, 7-0. You gave up two runs in three games. Uh, mm. Heck of a job out of the pitching staff who was missing Chad Dallas for that Friday start. He's going to be back out there tomorrow night. I saw Tony Vitello say that he's going to be back um, after that sore oblique. So uh, what a weekend for the for the Vols. And they come out and, and lay an egg Tuesday uh, against Charlotte, losing 9-0. But, again, what a great weekend uh, to sweep Georgia State. You guys want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, uh, just very impressive, you know, all-around – uh, series victory with the pitching uh, absolutely showing out. Uh, Georgia State schedule is no joke. Uh, I think they played three or four top 15 teams and had a very respectable record against those teams uh, before they played us. So I was sure – I wasn't really expecting a sweep uh, before before the series, uh, but it was a very pleasant surprise. Like you said, though, that's a big disappointment Tuesday. That's That's – you know, that's – that's a type of inconsistency, or I wouldn't say inconsistency, maybe a letdown that you haven't just really become accustomed to with the Tony Vitello era. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm very anxious to see how they bounce back heading into conference play. You know, the thing about baseball um, that I love so much, well, it's one of the things that I love the game itself, but you have such a long season. Like when you look at football, you've got 12 games, maybe one or two more, depending on how you play you've got 12 games to play. You lose one in there, that kind of doesn't wreck your season, but you've got to really work hard to build it back up after that. Baseball, you play a bad game, you got tomorrow to come back out on the diamond and, and, and turn things around. So uh, I don't think you'll see too much of a, of a problem from that loss. I mean, you got UNC Greensboro this weekend. Don't think they're going to be too big of an issue for the Vols, but you don't ever want to overlook them. But, but yeah, I think they'll, they'll be just fine. But I just wanted to throw that in there because I, I always think about that with baseball, like watching the Braves when they lose against the Marlins. You're like, well, how could the Braves lose against the Marlins? Well, you have those type of games. You just come out tomorrow and, and beat them, you know, 22 to nothing and go on about your day. So, I think uh, – did Tidwell throw Saturday? Yes. Was He went, what, six innings, no runs or one run, something like that, like seven strikeouts. Yeah, I think he went uh, – I got the box score right here. Let me see here. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think he gave up a run. Yeah, but no, six innings, no runs. I think it was right before the season started or right after that first series against Georgia Southern. I said, believe the hype about Tidwell. Mm-hmm. I think we're we're seeing it. I mean, dude's unreal. To be a freshman, you know, and it's not like they're playing any slouches either. I mean, they've played some pretty good ball clubs, and he's thrown – well in every game if you ask me I mean the first start he was a little shaky that could have been nerves or whatever but I mean ever since he settled in he's looked really really good and I mean I look for him to have another good outing and uh I'm anxious to see what he does you know when we get into conference schedule when you're playing the big boys I mean because it's different I mean pretty much any SEC sport it's different you know it's a it's a man's league so uh, really anxious to see what how he does, how the team does, you know, because like you said, Murphy, you know, football, you you play a game, you have a week a week to think about it if you play bad. Well, baseball, you've got what two or three days at most, and you're right back out there. So I'd expect tomorrow and this weekend in in total that the team really bounces back and tries to make a statement, try to try to prove to everybody that that's just a fluke. You know, one one bad day do, doesn't define us or whatever, but. I'm excited, and I think they'll have a good weekend. Yeah, I agree. D. Scott, you catch any baseball this weekend? Man, I know you're new to baseball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't really get to catch much. Um, I know how big the the Georgia State series was supposed to be, though. Um, and I think – I say this for lack of better words. I think sweeping them was a statement. Uh, I think that did make a statement. Um and then to drop Charlotte, I mean, it does suck. But at the same time, I would rather us, I would rather us drop those early now, and fix our mistakes before we get into conference play. Um, 
and I know this is going to sound stupid, but I mean, if if we lost if we lost every out of conference game and then swept everybody in the conference, I can't say it would hurt my feelings too much. You know, I, I just I'm a firm believer in that. You know, I I would rather you know even high school ball. You know, when we played high school those easy games or those supposedly easy games, that's when you get all, all those mistakes out. And then once you get into, you know, your region and conference and stuff like that, that's when you need to be a fine-tuned machine. So I think Charlotte, it, it is going to end up being a fluke. And then, you know, UNC Greensboro, I think will show that they're progressively, you know, getting better fixing that stuff. And then, you know, once we get in conference play, hopefully I can keep some momentum rolling. So. Yeah, One thing I noticed about the baseball team, too, is that I think the biggest question coming in was the pitching. And it might not have been rightfully so because I think we still had some really good arms coming back from last year. But, you know, we lost Crochet. Uh, but Chad Dallas, Chad Cheese Dallas, should I say, he's looked good in every outing. Like I said, Tittles look good. Um, his name escaped. Is it Pleasance or something yes. like that? Okay. Yeah, he's looked good. Uh, Lee's looked good. The offense has kind of been here and there, but it's early. Work out the rust. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, it always seems like with baseball, I know just from watching some spring training games here recently that the pitching always seems a little bit ahead of the of the hitting when the season starts. Um, so it's always good to see the guys score runs. But, yeah, I do agree. You've got, got some guys like, you know, Max Ferguson comes to mind who hasn't really – didn't really start off the year as hot as I'm sure he wanted to. He's had a couple good at-bats here and there, but want to get him going again. Um, Jordan Beck was really hot to start the season. He had some some bad luck this this past weekend. He hit the ball hard a lot, but uh, seemed to hit it right at guys out in the outfield. I remember um, – I don't remember what day it was. It might have been Saturday afternoon. He had a line drive to center, and they made a diving catch on it. So that would have been a base hit, but – um, definitely need the bats to get going. I mean, scoring no runs against Charlotte, that's never any good. You don't want to ever do that. Um, but you should hopefully see the bats get back going against UNC Greensboro. Um, I think that um, Dallas will go Friday, Tidwell Saturday, and then I don't think they've said anything about Sunday. I could be wrong about that. But we know um, Jackson Leith is going to be out for an extended period of time. So that kind of puts a little bit more pressure on Dallas you know, to kind of be that ace of the staff, if you will, for now, kind of lead by example, especially with the freshman Tidwell behind him. Um, so he's going to be important moving forward for sure. Uh, and then if you look at the schedule moving forward, you got ETSU on the sixth, uh, 16th, which is next Tuesday. And then you start conference play. You go to Athens against a pretty decent Georgia team um, that has played Georgia State. No, 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 they haven't yet. I'm thinking of Georgia Tech. But uh, still, good Georgia team. So hopefully, like you guys have mentioned, that they get going in conference play. Uh, but, D. Scott, I do agree with you. If we lost all our non-conference games and swept the SEC, I, I would be just fine with that. Yeah. I don't know how the rest of you guys feel about that, but I would be A-OK with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it doesn't look the best, you know. And I, I know they're not really relatable. Y'all kind of mentioned earlier, you know, football. You know, it sucks to lose to a Georgia State and a BYU but then at the same time, you beat everybody in your conference. I mean, that, that looks pretty solid. You know, people are going to joke on you a little bit, but you beat the be some of the best of the best. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd be all right with it. I mean, if Tennessee were to beat Alabama in that same season, I don't think you'd hear any complaints out of Tennessee fans. You might get some yeah. clowning, but. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely an offset. Oh, yeah. Definitely agree with that. And I think you're – your Alabama comparison in uh, baseball would be Vanderbilt. So if we were able to take three games from Vanderbilt, I would be just fine with that. Mm -hmm. um, and Florida. Oh, yeah, Florida's pretty good, too. I always forget about Florida. I don't know why I forget that they're such a good baseball program. Well, they opened the season in Florida. Florida, I think, and then they lost like two or three to Miami, but I don't think they've lost too much since. Yeah, the yeah. state of Florida is good at basketball pretty much. Uh, let's see, anything else? Any other baseball notes you guys wanted to touch on? We could even go professional if you want to. Uh, what series are we going to? That's the age-old question, buddy. I was looking at tickets, and they are pretty expensive. Yeah. got to be Cardinals-Braves, right? <laughs> what? I said it's got to be Cardinals-Braves, right? 
Cardinals Braves. I, I was leaning more towards Tennessee, but Cardinals Braves is fine. <laughs> oh, y'all, y'all were talking. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, no. Murphy was saying the tickets are pretty ridiculous for the conference games. So you think like the the twelve viewers that we have, like we could set up a GoFundMe and they would donate for our ticket fund. <laughs> We we very well could try that for sure. If yeah, we ask we the Jordan Beck fan club, we might <laughs> we might get something. We might be able to get a hot and ready. Yeah. <laughs> get a yeah. We can do that. We'll get a GoFundMe going. Start sharing it. See if we can't get you know a couple bucks. Leaning more towards the professional side, and I mentioned it when you know before we went live or before we started recording, whatever. Opening day is three weeks away, and I'm pretty juiced about it. Is it really? Yeah, April 1st. Very nice. I'd it say is. folks in Atlanta should be pretty excited about the team, honestly. Well, a few questions on the pitching, especially the bullpen, but, I mean, our, our rotation's just nasty. I mean, if, if you sit and look at it between – is Soroka, when's he scheduled to get back? Murphy, have you seen anything? Because I, I haven't really. So he's been making progress. I know I saw that. Um, I don't know if he's pitching off of a mound at full speed yet. He might be, um, but it's looking more and more like he's going to be on the uh, the injured list to begin the season, I think. So that would put another spot open in the rotation for a guy like Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson, one of those guys. And if you're, I mean, if you're a Wright or a Wilson, and like say a Drew Smiley, he struggles, then he gets moved to the pen. Well, there's a spot open even when Soroka gets back. So I like gotta... Freed a lot too, honestly. Yeah, Freed. God, that breaking ball. Better than Kershaw's. Best breaking ball in the game. I agree. It's, it's good. And we got uh, Uncle Charlie. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the young stud, Ian Anderson, who's just his changeup is probably the best one I've ever seen with my own two eyes. Yeah, he's ridiculous. He, um, I remember watching him pitch in the playoffs and just the poise and the the control he had out there on the mound for a kid so young. And I don't even think he's that much younger than me. So calling him a kid makes me sound super old. But he, uh, yeah, so yeah. Um, and to do it on, I mean, I know the the stadium wasn't full of, of uh, fans or anything, but to do it on that stage against you know the Dodgers, especially in the NLCS, that was. Really, really cool to see. Uh, and then you got the young hitters in the lineup, Acuna, Albies, Pache with the new 25. So, Braves will be back in the playoffs. Hopefully, uh, meet the Cardinals. Hey, it's always a fun series. It's always a fun series. I, hey, I'm happy with my Cardinals offseason. Uh, Arenado is one of the better pickups. Uh, so, you got an infield of Arenado, Goldschmidt, Edmonds, and DeYoung. I mean, that's, that's pretty legit if you can get decent outfield play. And uh, maybe find another, you know, find a, a diamond in the rough with one of your starters. I, you know, they'll they'll be there. But I, I think, you know, one through five, one through six, they'll be solid. They'll be very solid. Cardinals have always had a good team, and it frustrates me uh, when they're in the playoffs. But maybe we'll meet up in the uh, first round, I imagine. That would probably be more likely than – More likely, yeah, with a wild card and a division winner probably. Yeah, because the way I see it, Dodgers are probably going to get take the one seed, and then Braves will hopefully be two, and then Central winner will be three. And if that's St. Louis, and then we'll get them um, in the first round. But it's amazing to me how little moves and how much the Cubs have fallen off. Like that, I expect them to be not very good this year. Like honestly, I don't think the Cubs are going to be very good at all. I know that's coming from a Cardinals fan, but they they just haven't made any you know forward progress from what I've seen honestly with their team. Um, and that's surprising coming from um, uh, the uh, old Red Sox owner. His name escapes me now. Theo uh, Epstein. Theo, yeah. So he's usually very progressive in his moves. And they've just kind of. He's working for, he's doing something for the MLB now. I don't know who their new GM is or whatever. Oh, they got a new GM now. Uh-huh. Oh, did he really step down? Yeah, he, he quit or whatever. He's doing that's probably why him. then. I must have missed that. I totally blanked on that. Had, did they say they were going to keep the expanded uh, playoff format? They were going to do seven teams or whatever? Or I, I can't remember how they – what was it? 
the top two in each division and two wild cards last year. Exactly, and then the, the MLB is keeping that format, and the NBA is keeping their playing game format. Just you know, for the times we're in right now. I like that. Yeah. All right. Any other baseball notes or things you guys wanted to touch on? Going to Atlanta in June, June seventeenth. Get tickets for twenty bucks. Nice. Oh, all right. St. Louis Cardinals at Atlanta Braves Thursday, June seventeenth. There you go. Come on down. That's a short drive for me. I'll be up there. That's a six-hour drive for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll like, be in Atlanta July 19th to the 21st watching them play the Padres. Nice. Padres got a squad. Oh, they do. That staff, their pitching staff's nasty too. Yeah. That'll be a great series. I have never been to an MLB game before. Like, we got two – so, we got two minor league here. Well, the Yankees aren't here anymore. It's like a developmental league. But we got Salem Red Sox. That's all I've been to. I ain't never been to MLB before. The major league experience is something yeah. it's, it's awesome. I've been wanting Especially to go for a few years now, and I think now that I got a, a big boy job, I might just uh, allocate some of those funds to a trip. Hey, it's not a bad decision, I can tell you that. Yeah. SunTrust Park, or no, Truist Park now. It's a beautiful ballpark, great uh, area around it with the uh, battery. You got restaurants and there's bars and stuff around, so you guys could have a heck Shop of a house. Time. Oh, yeah. Come on down. We'll, we'll, we'll drink a couple. Uh, let's see. I guess we can move on to football now if you guys are cool with that. Sounds good to me. We had the defensive staff talk with the media for the first time. Uh, a little bit similar to the way the offensive staff talked um, a few weeks back. Uh, you had defensive coordinator Tim Banks, uh, defensive line coach Rodney Garner, linebackers coach Brian Jean-Marie, uh, secondary coach Willie Martinez, and then Mike Eckler, who to me kind of stole the show with his uh, story about how he promised his players at Nebraska he'd run a marathon if they had the best practice of the season and then ends up getting somebody to drop him off, you know, 20 some miles down the interstate and gets pulled over by a cop with a shirt off or whatever. He gets in the back, back seat of the car with no shirt on and having to explain he's running a marathon. So <laughs> that, that to me stole the show there, but uh, I, I tweeted about it after the, the press conference wrapped up that um, I'm kind of tired of, press conferences and, and winning press conferences. I want to win games and stuff. And, you know, I know there's not a whole lot anybody can do about that right now, but um, I'm kind of ready to get past all the talking and the the stuff and get these guys out on the field and see what they can do. But anybody have anything from the press conference that they wanted to touch on or just, you know, anything that stuck out to them? I saw uh, on Twitter. Uh, go ahead, Eckler, sorry. Eckler, uh, which, I mean, if you've seen Step Brothers, you know the part where they – they actually start getting along and they're talking about everything that they like and they've got a lot of things in common. And I said, did we just become best friends? Well, Eckler <laughs> walks into, I think it was Gullish's office and he's got this mini fridge of nothing but Red Bulls. And Eckler was put like, I think I walked into the gates of heaven or something like that. And he's sitting there like they're toasting to a Red Bull and he posts that scene from Step Brothers. So I like Eckler. I think he's kind of a kind of a loose cannon, like that guy that can get really hype and almost scare you as hype as he gets. Oh, the uh, chili's hot. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm like you, Murphy. I mean, it's easy to win a press conference. It's harder to win in a football game, especially in the SEC. But I think what we finally – what we're finally starting to see is coaches that really want to be at Tennessee because it's Tennessee, not just because it pays a lot or whatever, but – guys that really want to be here. I know Rodney Gardner wants to be here. I know Willie yeah. Martinez wants to be here. Tim Banks wants to be here. Uh, all of them. Uh, John Marie or whatever, uh, if I said that wrong, I'm sorry. And uh, Eckler especially. I mean, they all want to be here. They're fired up about it. Let's just hope they can put a good product on the field. Exactly. Um, you know, you can win the press conference like Murphy said all you want. Um, I like to look more schematically at, you know, how they fit our – what we're trying to do 
uh, especially a team that's going to be so offensive centric. Uh, you're going to need a defense that, you know, may not get a stop every possession, but you need, you need big timely stops uh, when they count. And I, I think, I think Tim Banks, I'm pretty sure this is the first time he's really just going to be calling plays. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, see how he does with that. Uh, it's, it's not like he's coming, you know, I know Penn state had some talent, but, you know, Roman Harrison, Danico Slaughter, Morvin Joseph, he's, you know, maybe Crouch, uh, Trayvon Flowers, McCullough. You got you got plenty of talent. You got plenty of talent to work with on that side of the ball. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, I think that – I don't think the coverage is bare as people would like to have you think of at Tennessee right now. Uh, it's – it's just schematically, how are these guys going to fit? And and I'm with you, Sawyer. I love Eckler. I love that energy. I think you have to bring that type of energy at that position. And uh, he seems like he genuinely – he's talking about how he always dreamed about, you know, being able to drive his boat to work. And I, I think he's just genuinely, genuinely glad to be here. And I like I like most of the coaching staff is. And that's a great start. You know, that's, that's what you have to have to start. And, you know – like you said, Sawyer, maybe this past staff was just there, you know, for a paycheck. So, yeah, I had, uh, and I, I think this is going into last week a little bit too. Like, I think it was four things that really stood out. One, Hypo was talking about, you know, they're spending some time gaining the trust of players. I think, you know, I'm I'm a very big culture person. I think to have success, you need to have a good culture. You know, you need to you need to have an environment where players feel comfortable um, and, and, you know, they feel loose. I think that's big. Um, I remember something about banks talking about they're still evaluating what they have. Um, and then as far as that goes, that tells me that that they're going to be the coaches that aren't necessarily worried about the scheme, but more more so their personnel. At, yeah, they're gonna look at what they have and what they can do with what they have. Great which point. Is good, that's what you need to do. You don't need to look at, you know, this defense versus this offense. You need to look at, hey, I got guys that can do this, this, and this. So let's do this, this, and this. Um I saw another thing for Banks talking about, you know, spring practice. All they're going to do is really just focus on installing the base defense. I think that's good. You know, this, there's going to be a lot being thrown at them with this new coaching staff. You know, yeah, I mean, you can gradually develop it as it goes, but I think that is a lot of problem with the way that football has progressed. They just try to throw so much at one time. So with them trying, you know, with them focusing on one thing, just just get the basics down. I think that's going to help. It's going to lay a good foundation. So when they want to start mixing up, you know, blitzing, all, all that kind of good stuff, it's just going to be easier. Um, and then lastly, I got an email about it literally about 10 minutes ago, and I was reading it, um, talking about Garner. And uh, he said that his D linemen are – they're still hungry, and he's excited to see what they're going to do. So that that tells me there's still, there's still good energy in the locker room overall. And, and there are still guys that are still, you know, real fired up and, and want to make stuff happen. So that's four points that have kind of stuck out to me, and they do kind of excite me. But at the same time, it's like y'all said, press conference only does so much. You know, we got to see what, what they can produce on the field. Um, but I think it's it's good overall. It's not – I don't know. It just seems kind of real this time. You know, they're just straightforward. They're not trying to. They're not trying to BS us and and throw all this and that. They're just. They're telling us exactly what they're going to do. They're keeping it basic, and you know they're just going to play by ear, more or less. You know? Yeah, it really feels like you've got a a real good, genuine group of guys on this. Exactly. The entire staff, not just the defensive staff, but mm -hmm. and and to me, it was really good to hear these guys actually talk because I think. And I don't really remember a whole lot about any the time past Pruitt, but I don't really remember hearing any of those guys speak. I don't even think I ever heard Derek Ansley talk in his time at Tennessee. No. I could be wrong about that, but I really don't think I ever saw him or heard him speak to the media. So getting to put 
you know, eyes on these guys and see them talk and, and, and speak, you know, hear about how they're connecting with the players and, you know, wanting to earn their trust, like you said, and, and then go from there. I think that's huge because, you know, you can't just expect to walk into the, to Tennessee and have these guys do everything that, that you're going to want them to do for you. You're going to have to earn their, their, their respect and their trust. So that, that was huge. I think the other thing for me that stuck out was, I think it was Heupel that mentioned it, that said the buy-in from the player side has been there. there. There's not been any, any pushback from the players on anything they've been trying to, to instill there. So that, like you guys have said, means that these guys have done a really good job of coming in and being genuine with, with the, the players and sticking with the players a little bit. Um, couldn't have a football talk without having the transfer portal brought in. Um, they mentioned Crouch and, and Toto Toe and, you know, these guys weren't ever going to come out and say whether or not they're, you know, those guys are going to be back or not. But it seemed like everybody who was asked about it mentioned focusing on the guys that are here on campus with the team. And it was my understanding, I think even back last week, that Crouch was still on campus. And I don't know if that's changed or not, but seems like he might have left campus to go elsewhere. I don't know if it's because of something to go to – you know, to do with school, but uh, just wanted to see if you guys wanted to talk about those two guys at all. I know we've talked about them a bunch, but just with the the new stuff that they had said. Well, I think, uh, you know, it, it's easy to sit there and think, oh, you know, we need Henry T, we need Crouch back. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to focus on who's there. Because to me, that tells you, well, these are the guys that really want to be here. And that's, I mean, is that not what you want? You want guys that really want to be there? Now, granted, I mean, I'm sure Crouch and Toto, they'll both be welcome back with open arms because, I mean, frankly, Toto is one of the best middle linebackers in, in the SEC, if we're being honest, probably in the country. And, I mean, Crouch is pretty solid himself, but you have to focus on what's there. You know, you, you can't just wish, oh, man, I wish Henry D was here. I wish Crouch was here. They're not there, and you gotta you gotta go with what you have. Yeah, and I like the point D Scott made uh, about fitting your system to your players, and not the other way around. Um, and not only that, I think that the players we have on defense uh, fit a fit a Tim Banks defense very well. Actually, um, you know, you got you got pretty mobile players at all three levels of the defense. Um, you got some bigger, bulkier defensive line men with, you know, Middleton and Butler and uh, Aubrey Solomon. But once you get to the second level, if, if you don't have a Henry T or, or Crouch, you know, you got a Roman Harrison, you got a, a Morvin Joseph, you got a, you got downhill, you know, not really hand in the dirt, but, you know, they're going to get after the quarterback. And that's a, that's a Tim Banks defense. So, you know, I, it, you know, not only is the cover not bare, I think, you know, you have a, a schematic fit with a lot of the players that are left on the, on the defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like what y'all said before, you know, if Henry T and Krause are coming back, that's great. That is fantastic. You know, I would love to have them back. If they don't, wish them well, you know, so be it. We'll make it work, whatever. But, yeah, I, I definitely think with the crap that our athletic department has been through with the, the scandal and everything, you know, this isn't just a regular coaching change. It's There's some crap going down. So, focusing on the players that we got right now that I think that's a priority and a little off topic, but um, since I did not get to be here last week, there was something that I wanted to note. I think it was somebody transferred or I want to say it was Cody Brown. Oh yeah. And he, he got out of his letter and somebody commented on it said, and it might not have been him, but it was some, it was something to that regard. And they were like, kid was a bust anyway. I am so tired of fans doing that bull crap, dude. Like, a week, I, I bet, I bet right before they signed with us, you were like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we got this guy. I'm so glad we got this guy. Like, just wish them the best. You know, it's a kid. They're, they're trying to do what's best for them. And, you know, they didn't go with us, so be it. You know, whatever. Just stop, you know. It does get old. It gets really old. Yeah, like just just enjoy what we got because we do we we got a good squad. We got some good guys, and we got a good coaching staff now. 
So why can't you just focus on that positive stuff? You know, we're trying to we're trying to look ahead to brighter days amidst the McDonald's bag, but people just don't want to do that. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, it, it's a loss when you lose a guy like that, but there's no point in, you know, bashing the kid or claiming he's yeah. a bust or whatever. I mean, you haven't even seen the kid take a snap, you know, in college football. How are you going to tell me that you're a better evaluator of talent than, you know, a college coach. So, yeah. and again, it, it speaks to what we've talked about in the past, you know, he and, and Brooks committed to Tennessee when there was a totally different group in place on the coaching staff. Exactly. And as much as I know myself, and I think D Taylor said the same thing, you don't want to commit to a school because of the coach. Unfortunately, that's just kind of how the, the, the some of the kids are going about that this, this day and age, which I get it. I totally understand it because you feel like you're a fit and they might have the track record of developing players from that position and putting them in the next level. I totally get that. And so I understand why Cody Brown and Brooks would move on, but yeah, there's no reason to go on, on Twitter or whatever and bash the kid and claim he's, he's a bust. That doesn't do anything positive for you. It doesn't do anything positive for Tennessee as a program. So don't tweet players, don't tweet recruits. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Uh, probably a lot uh, in the future. So keep that in mind. Don't tweet your players. Don't tweet your recruits. That's I, I apologize. That's my rant segment for the night. I just, oh no, totally valid. Kind of that was that. Like people got to chill. You got to chill. What was it for Family Guy? You know what really grinds my gears? Exactly. <laughs> That's our new uh, weekly segment for D Scott. What really grinds D Scott's gears? I yes. I got one on deck. <laughs> y'all know who it's about hey you got the floor go ahead oh no no we'll we'll save that for another day all right that'll be, that'll be a group chat discussion and then oh oh hey i'm with uh, you. yes sir it. yes sir i'm with you <laughs> all right i'm a little slow so it takes no, me you are good i was i was just gonna try to play it off and we'll transition to the next gotcha 10-4 good buddy <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think like like we mentioned, you got a good staff in place defensively and offensively. You got guys who seem like they all have a, a common goal when it comes to what they want to do on both sides of the ball. And I think that's something that you missed with the previous staff is you had a guy who in Pruitt who wanted to do something specific, and there might have been some some pushback from other guys on the staff. And there's just you know a lot going on with with the previous staff that I'm sure none of us will ever hear about but I I agree with you guys saying that you got a good staff in place don't want to get your expectations too high I think because then you kind of set yourself up for for disappointment because we as Tennessee fans we know there's there's no reason to get your hopes up there's going to be something that happens but um definitely think you got a good group in place and and uh, just ready to to finally get the pads on and get get the guys out there on the field and have something to talk about position battle wise or whatever because all this press conference stuff, I'm getting tired of it. Mm-hmm. Have they said anything about – I know they announced the spring game. Have mm-hmm. they said anything about, like, attendance for that? Are they going to allow, or are they just kind of waiting to see? I don't what? think we, we have a number, but there all there will be fans there. I really want to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that would be really fun. Yeah. I'm looking it up to see if there's an, uh, there's a number or anything, just in case yeah. I missed it. Because I know, I remember seeing they announced like when it is, but I don't remember. I don't think I really looked into it enough to see if they were letting people. Another note that I saw, um, I think it was a middle linebacker from Penn State entered the transfer portal. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a pretty, you know, pretty good ball player. So Mike could look, might land him. He might be in in Knoxville soon enough. I mean, we've got Tim Banks. Um, the linebackers coach. What's his name? Oh, uh, Sean Marie. Yeah, and he recruited him. He was trying to recruit him to Michigan, so he's got relationships with you know two of our coaches. So who knows? He may wind up in Knoxville, and we could have a pretty good player on our hands. Yeah, there was another player who entered the portal, and I'm trying to find his name. Oh, uh, LSU DB Maurice Hampton. Yeah. Uh, entered the portal. I know Keenan, you tweeted about it earlier. I just went back and found your 
your thing there to get the name. Yeah, no, we could uh, we could use some help on the back end. I, I like our starters, uh, but you know, we could we could use an, uh, someone opposite. Of, I'm not sure is is he projected projected as a safety or or a cornerback. Oh, uh, that's a good question. I don't know off the top of my head. Let me. You know, we, it'd be nice to have someone to start opposite Alante Alante Taylor. Um, I think we're pretty set at safety with Trayvon Flowers and McCullough, but, you know, it'd be nice to find that other cornerback in uh, in the transfer portal or, or, or wherever. Right. Gilbert decommitted from Florida. Oh, yeah. See, Sawyer, this is why we have you, because I forget stuff, and you remember. There you go. Now, I wanted to talk about that because uh, – and, by the way, Hampton projects as a safety according to 247 Sports, okay. so – but okay. he is he's six foot like one eighty five. So you might be able to move him around in mm-hmm. secondary, who knows? But yes, Eric Gilbert wanted to talk about him. Um just just a little bit, just to touch on. I know we've talked about him in the past. And maybe putting him in Tennessee's name in the same sentence is outlandish at this point. Um I saw that there might be some academic issues for the you know, the reason why he decommitted from Florida and wasn't going there. Again, I don't I don't know for sure. I don't think really anybody does except for the important people. But, you know, obviously if you're Josh Heupel, you make that phone call. If you're, you know, mm-hmm. goalish or whoever, you make that phone call. But do we give Tennessee a chance? I mean, I know he's probably got the pick of the litter again, but would we even give Tennessee an opportunity in that one? Or would you even touch Gilbert at this point? I think, um, you know, it, it's going to depend on who – we project, at, you know, to be his quarterback. You know, the, when you have a, a combo that's prolific as him and, and Harrison Bailey was in high school, you know, that's that's a selling point, I, I would think. And, you know, we just got to see what's, you know, historically speaking, Heupel is going to like someone like Hendon Hooker or Caden Salter a little bit more uh, in his offense. But, you know, you can't deny the talent that Bailey has and the familiarity with the receivers and, and all that all that stuff. So, I wouldn't. I wouldn't count Bailey out. And if you can't count Bailey out, then you know that's that's a selling point for for Gilbert. So, I personally thought we had a good chance at Gilbert, even when Pruitt was here, just because of his relationship with Bailey. Uh, but now that you've got the staff that you have there and the numbers that they put up every year, I think that just increases your chances. Along with Bailey still being there, and uh, I know the day that. Gilbert announced, you know, he was decommitting from Florida or whatever. Bailey was on him like that, you know. It, and so I think we have a good shot. Uh, I wouldn't hold – I mean, I'm not going to be just totally surprised if he doesn't come to Tennessee, but I'd look for it. I think it could happen. Yeah, you got to make some sort of noise in the transfer portal, I think, if you're Tennessee, because you've got some some positions that lack depth. I think linebacker for sure, especially inside. You've got to maybe get at least one guy that's got some experience, just because you have such a, a bunch. You got young guys, you got talent there, but you just have a lot of inexperience there. So I think and then secondary for sure, you could use some some help there. Uh, really anywhere on this offense, minus maybe quarterback. I would say go to go get somebody because you already brought in Hooker, but. Um, would be nice to have a guy like Gilbert here. I think he would, you know, obviously be the, the center of attention on offense outside of your quarterback. But uh, who knows? We'll see where he ends up. Maybe he'll land at a, a school outside of the SEC this time and maybe go the JUCO route if it is grades. I don't know. We, I'm not going to speculate too much on that just because for the kids' sake. But any other football notes or anything you guys wanted to touch on? I'm excited. I'm well. I'm anxious to see where they put uh, Cayman Marley, four-star oh, yeah. athlete. Yeah, he had a big night the other night, didn't he? Yeah, he, I think he said he scored like four touchdowns. I could be totally wrong, but I know it was a big night. Whatever he did, mm-hmm. but I'd look for him because I've seen that he could play tight end, receiver, corner, linebacker. Apparently, he's just a jack of all trades. So I'm excited to see what they do with him. Also, uh, the basketball team received a crystal ball for uh, Brandon Huntley Hadfield, a five-star out of Pennsylvania, um, 6'9", So that's the type of inside force that, you know, we maybe we're lacking right now. So that would, that would be big time as well. 
Isn't he the kid that they were talking about was going to reclassify? Yeah, there's a chance that he could reclassify, yes. It'd be nice to have him and Chandler there. That would kind of be – I remember um, our uh, – what was the kid's name? Uh, Pablo – what was his last name? Oh, he went to Duke. Paolo yeah. – uh, Paolo uh, – Or Paolo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paolo Banchero, yeah. Yeah, that was the guy I remember um, when they were – recruiting him and, and Kennedy Chandler, they were going to be the, you know, the point guard Tennessee needed and then the big man. And then he ends up picking Duke, which I didn't know much about him, but just, you know, you see the five stars and you obviously expect him to be pretty, pretty good. But uh, I know that was a, a letdown when they lost him. So maybe that guy could come in and, you know, be the big man that we've been missing. Like you guys have said, where does, um, Jemai Meshack, where does he project to play? Or Meshack, or however you say his name. Where does he project? Small, small forward, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, like the two or three, something like that. Okay. I've seen his name. Uh, I saw him in an interview uh, with somebody the other day on, on Twitter and wanted to look him up, and I just never did. I knew we had, I knew he, who he was. I just didn't know what he projected to be. He's the very uh, prototypical Barnes-type 6'4 to 6'8". Uh, versatile type player that Barnes likes a lot. So it's not a surprise to see him recruit someone like that. Gotcha. Well, I guess we can move on to the locks of the week if you guys had any. I personally don't right off the top of my head, but I'll think of something if somebody had one they wanted to go with. I was going to say, if you got, I think you got about five minutes, but I was going to say uh, Clippers minus seven Golden State uh, looks good to me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to call it right now. Uh, Tennessee beats Florida, beats Alabama, and then all bets are off. It's against probably an Arkansas team in the SEC championship game. But I'm, I'm calling it at least a, a run to the title game. I have two. Go ahead. We won't see Kentucky in the tournament, and we won't see Duke in the tournament. Mark it down. <laughs> It's a hundred pro- and probably not Mr. Hardaway either. So, oh yeah, thank God. <laughs> D. Scott, you got a lock, buddy? No. All right. Uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Keenan's and say Calipari's gonna be watching the the rest of the tournament from where we're all sitting. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful thing. It's very nice. To I have think that. Uh, we. I saw a stat earlier. Uh, First time in the 59 years of the SEC tournament that Kentucky hasn't made the quarterfinals. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. It's funny. I saw, I saw, I think it was yesterday. It said, it was like Kentucky has the most SEC championships in conference history. And it showed whatever, something like that. And it was like, will they do it again? Sorry, not age very well. No, no, it did not. Old takes exposed. Yeah. Is the Missouri game over? Did Missouri win that game? I missed it. Yeah, it it got close right at the end. Georgia had a chance to tie it with a three and and missed really badly, but uh, Georgia had a chance to tie it at the buzzer. So that means Missouri moves on to play Arkansas, correct? Correct, and uh, South Carolina, Ole Miss are about to start. The winner gets LSU. Gotcha. Anything else, boys? That's all I got. Don't forget to listen to the Sawyer Talk Sports podcast. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead and plug your uh, your podcast. I, I listened to episode one today while I was at work. It's, it's really interesting, and, and I will say it made me think back to a lot of my sports memories that I have and most of my memories of my life have sports involved somewhere so go ahead and plug that that podcast of yours so yeah uh episode one was just about me and kind of how i got into sports and everything and just kind of look back at some of my better memories and um episode two i'm looking at having uh uh ex-professional you know mlb outfielder an ex-pitcher or the uh offensive coordinator here at una where i go to school because he was a in my hometown, he played a quarterback at our high school, and he was a stud, one Mr. Football. So one of those three guys, don't really know yet, but uh, episode two will be out the 16th, which is Tuesday, I think. Yeah, so episode two will be out then. Uh, 
and you can find it, I mean, anywhere, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, anywhere you can find a podcast, you'll find it. So just tune in, subscribe to it, and yeah, that's it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you need a guest for week three, I hold the record for hit by most pitches in Christiansburg Parks and Recreation Little League Baseball. Got <laughs> <laughs> you. Talk about all of them. All right, boys. Well, if y'all don't have anything else, I think we'll go ahead and, and end it there. This has been episode 11 of the Checkerboard Check-In. Appreciate you guys for listening. Thanks, boys, for coming out and doing it with us. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good one, boys. Yep. See y'all. Have a good one. Next time.